This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, and we're bunny hopping our way into episode number 84. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. The tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and I am thrilled to be bringing you this week's episode of the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. I want to apologize because I haven't been great about getting podcast episodes out lately, and I think it's just because of a logistical thing that I moved my Mama Baby Birthing and Smart Mama Happy Baby classes from Wednesdays to Mondays, and I was used to getting the podcast ready to go on Mondays, and now... I I don't have that much time to do that because my afternoon is taken up teaching the wonderful students that I have in my classes. So I'm 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 trying to kind of get back into a, in a into a groove and into a routine where I can be making sure that I'm getting the podcast to you on time. But I do apologize for for those of you who listen to them as they come out that I haven't been as as prompt at getting them out as I should. And like I said, I'm trying to work on changing that logistically. Um, another thing that's been going on is that I've been doing pair periscopes every week and if you don't know what periscope is it's it's a new thing from twitter but it's not twitter what it is is really kind of like live video blogging almost it's basically you turn on your phone you turn on the periscope app and you can either jump onto anybody else's scope or you can start your own so you just hit start broadcasting and your camera comes on i heard it described as like a facetime for everyone so if if those of you who are familiar with facetime or video skyping it's it's like for everyone so anybody can jump in you can do private ones but mine aren't private you can jump on uh, whenever you want and i do them every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 1 p.m. or, or there, thereabout. And, uh, and I talk about all things birth and baby. I've been enjoying the scopes because they're pretty similar to this podcast. Usually I'm not quite as long-winded on the scopes, but if you know me, you know that I tend to get a little bit long-winded and I'm trying to work on that on the scopes and on the podcast. And even when I'm giving my kids lectures, maybe they'll be refreshed to hear that I'm trying to work on that. But anyways, um, You know, I I try and keep the scopes a little bit briefer, but they're a lot of fun because they're live. So you can actually type in questions and they pop up on my screen there so that I can answer them and I can cover a lot of topics. Um, And I so I've been doing that and that takes a lot of energy. So trying to figure out when to when to work in my podcast processing and do scopes and do my classes on Mondays and write articles for the blog and take care of my family. Sometimes that's a that's a crazy balancing act, but it's a fun one. But anyways, I'm happy to be here this week. I'm excited what I'm talking about on the podcast this week because I'm talking about a topic that's kind of near uh, and dear to my heart. So if you listened to the intro, that was actually a little bit of a joke that has to do with today's topic because I often get asked being a mom of many myself if I know what causes that or if I'm trying to go for the golden rabbit award or something like that so I decided to poke a little bit of fun at myself and all moms of many but because I am a mom of many who's you know, I guess I'm relatively public. I've got the podcast and the website and I'm doing the, you know, doing the natural birth TV show over on the Periscope now. Um, I get asked for advice from other moms of many and especially I get asked 
how to manage your family and manage your home, but I get asked that by moms who only have one. But but talking about safety issues for moms of many, or for what many of us know we're called as a grand multip, or for those of you who might not be to the grand point yet, who are multips, which is uh, obstetric obstetric slang, really. It's short for multipara. Um but it's obstetric slang for for moms who are who are pregnant again after having had a few or a whole bunch of kids already. Grand multip means that you've had a whole bunch, and multip means that you're, you know, that you that you've had a couple. Sorry, ladies and daddies. Turned away from the microphone there a minute because Sadie decided she wanted to get out of my lap. Okay, so again, what is a grand multip? Well, that means that you've had multiple babies. Usually it's it's five or more. For some, it's more than five. It depends on who you're talking about and what textbook you're looking in. But what I'm going to talk about is really it's applicable for any mom uh, or if you're on your third or your fourth or whatever. But you know, we'll talk about safety for grand multips. Uh, you know, having a good pregnancy when you're a mom of many. One of the first things that you wonder when you're a mom of many is, am I at greater risk of whatever that might be? You know, are you at greater risk just because you've had a bundle of babies already? When we look at studies and things, we we see things that maybe might indicate that there's more risk for a mom of many. But uh, as is often the case, those studies have some flaws in them that are important to look at. And I don't know that I would actually, you know, sometimes we talk about studies and they're flawed, their methodology is flawed. That's unfortunately the case in a lot of obstetric studies. And I wouldn't really say that the methodology in these studies about moms of many or in the conclusions drawn about moms of many is that there's flawed methodology um, or that the study in and of itself is wrong. What I what I think is generally going on in these is that when we look at where the studies have pulled from, it's not necessarily applicable to us um, in the place that we're at. And so when I say us, you know, when I'm talking about a relatively well-educated, middle class, uh, or even lower middle class or higher lower class, you know, in a developed modern country where you... I maybe I'm making a big assumption here, ladies. I know we're never supposed to assume, but I'm thinking that if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably pretty conscious of health. You're probably pretty aware of of what it takes to to have a healthy pregnancy, or you want to know, which is one of the reasons why you're listening to this. And so, you know, you're just you've got a consciousness about you. Uh, in the sense that you're very conscious and you want to make sure that you're doing the right thing for your baby. So, you know, that's that's what we're coming from or, or where we're coming from as we decide to have many. And that's not the case with these studies. So most of these studies have pulled from low-income areas. And in these studies or in the populations that these studies have pulled from, babies come because babies come. Okay, we'll put it bluntly here for a minute. Babies come because they are the natural result of having sex. And now I'll go back to being rated G as much as possible for you ladies here. All right, so they come because they're they're a cause and effect thing. And that's different. Some people might argue that it's not. But it's different from a family that's decided... 
Uh, I either want to space and have a big family or I consciously have decided I'm not going to use birth control. I'm going to let the babies come when they come or, you know, any any combination thereof of those two things. But essentially, there's a, there's a difference between a person who just has a lot of babies because she doesn't have access to birth control or she's, you know, her education level is lower or she's in a low-income risk category where that's just considered the norm and a family that consciously decides, okay, we want to have a big family and and we want to do everything that we can to make sure that these babies are all going to be well-nourished and that mom's well-nourished. Essentially, in the second situation, you as a mom are are much more likely to be well nourished and and to have better pregnancy outcomes. There's a lot of advantages that aren't there in a, in the low income populations where a woman's just having one baby after another after another after another because for whatever reason um, the ability for her to prevent that is not there. And I'm not going to get into to the politics of that or anything, but just to say that when we look at when we look at the studies and what populations they were drawn from what's going on with those populations and their risk factors do not necessarily correlate with what our risk factors are um so when there's there have been studies that have looked at this you know studies that have looked at the studies and have looked at the moms and said okay let's um you know, let's adjust the study and take into account that socioeconomic issues might have an impact on these outcomes. And when those studies were done that that had this part, you know, this aspect of the study in them, they divided moms into two groups, low socioeconomic groups and high socioeconomic groups. And they found that perinatal mortality and low birth weight correlated with the low socioeconomic group, but not with grand multi-party. So what that means is that poor outcomes for babies correlated with babies being born into a low-income household. They did not correlate with the fact that mom had already had a lot of babies. Um, and the, the particular study that I'm citing was an Israeli study. Um, but it's it's something that's important to look at. And e- even when we look at like obstetric opinions, often obstetricians and obstetric opinions are formed in large teaching hospitals, which typically serve a low-income population. So that's just more scenic. It actually reminds me of something that Dr. Brewer said was that doctors never used to see preeclampsia um, in like middle-class, well-to-do neighborhoods. Doctors who were working in uh, in low income, like the rural South, and and in other uh, high risk populations, saw a lot of eclampsia. But it wasn't really until um, low fat, low calorie, low salt kind of starvation diets, sadly, became the norm for women that we started seeing a lot of signs of preeclampsia and things, even in quote unquote middle class or well to do women. So this is this is another thing that when we take into account socioeconomic factors, maybe there's not a greater risk for moms and babies, even when there's multi-party going on, even when there's a lot of babies coming. 
So I think that's important to look at. And really, I think that's encouraging. Of course, it speaks to some social issues that we have going on with helping these moms. Um, I, I like to think helping these moms get well nourished and, and make up minds about their babies. But mostly, you know, I want to help moms have healthy babies. So that's that's the end that I want to be on. Not necessarily saying that they shouldn't be having the babies, but saying that I want to help them know what it takes to have a healthy baby because I believe when a mom knows real information about what it really takes to have a healthy baby, she finds a way to do that. Unfortunately, um, even well-nourished conscious moms aren't really given good information about having a healthy baby nowadays, and certainly our low-income moms aren't, and that's a whole different ballgame. But anyways, let's move on now and talk about some issues that might impact a mom of many. So back-to-back pregnancies and nursing. What's the reality of that? Because that's the place that many moms of many are in. So you've had a lot of pregnancies. You're probably nursing your baby in between those pregnancies. And that takes a lot out of your body. It's wearing on the body. I'm never going to say that it's not. I, I mean, as I'm recording this, I have seven children. I'm nursing number seven. And it takes a lot of energy to be pregnant. I was just saying on the scope that I've really been, I've been working on podcasts and scopes and my website and homeschooling my kids and doing everything that I'm doing. And I'm, I'm glad right now that I'm not pregnant because it just takes so much energy to be pregnant and to grow a new baby. And, and I've got so much on my plate right now that I'm not sure that I could balance a baby. I mean, if, if the Lord gave us one, I could do it, but Um, But, you know, it just, it takes a lot of energy and it can be wearing on your body. So if you want to be a mom of many, excellent nourishment is really an absolute must. You don't necessarily have to stay on a pregnant diet, pregnancy diet the entire time that you're going to be pregnant and nursing. Though you would know that you were well nourished if you did that. Um, But you do need to make sure that you're continually eating good food. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't have a treat now and then. And sometimes we're tired. My family, I've just been tired for the last few months. Like I said, I'm I'm kind of keeping a, a pretty harsh schedule right now. And sometimes the energy just hasn't been there to feed us as well as probably I should have fed our family. So... It's easy to slip into those things when things are tiring, when you're making, you know, pastas and pasta casseroles or serving sandwiches or lots of tortillas or lots of rice because carbs are easy and they're filling kind of thing. Uh, but those those foods don't have a lot of nutrient density for you. And that's one of the reasons why I recommend freezer meals and things like that for moms because then you're able to pre-plan and to get these nutrient-dense meals in the freezer so that on those days and nights that you're exhausted, you can just take this out. And and you can also go through and just make up some menu plans that have good, healthy, nutrient-dense foods and try and keep things on hand to be able to prepare those simple recipes. Also, as a mom of many, you want to get plenty of rest. Again, this is definitely true if you're in pregnancy, but even between pregnancies, you want to get the rest that you need. Go to sleep. Sleep in extra on the weekends. I'm, I've, I'm blessed because Sadie is a good sleeper. There's only been a handful of nights when she's had a hard night. Um, so she's a good sleeper. So I feel like when I go to bed at night, I get pretty good sleep. And... If that's the case for you, definitely take advantage of that. But especially if you've got wakeful baby or you've got older kids who you're having sleep issues with, you know, make sure 
that you're taking the time to get the sleep that you need. If you've got a young baby, a newborn, sleep when your baby sleeps as much as possible. See if you can get some help. See if one of those older kids can hold down the fort while you have a 30-minute nap with the baby. And during pregnancy... You know, if you need to conduct, uh, if you're homeschooling, you need to conduct school from the couch or you need to send the older ones off to school and you and the little ones uh, just kind of veg in the den while you nap on the couch. If that's what you've got to do to get rest, then that's what you've got to do. Something that I hear often when talking to other moms of many is, is this is a season of life. And this season too shall pass, just like there was a time when you weren't in this season. So get the rest that you need while you are in this season. I also encourage you to find the time that you need for you. And this might not be a lot of time, but it's something that has become important to me, especially as I've had more kids and the day is just really full of one person after another. There's just so much going on, so many kiddos, so many needs that need to be met, so many interpersonal conflicts that need mama's help and wisdom to sort out. Um, And I've really come to the place where I, I need some time myself to recharge. And so for me, usually that looks like an hour at the library alone or Or um, sometimes on Sundays, it means I go down to my mother-in-law's house. She lives about 10 minutes away from us. I go down to her house with just Sadie. And it's so blissfully quiet there. And she's just, you know, my mother-in-law, we chat some. But then she's happy to read her book. And I I usually work. I usually write articles and stuff. um, And Sadie plays on the floor with the toys that she has down there with nobody to try and take them away from her. Um, And it's just, it's so nice and peaceful and quiet. uh, And it's just refreshing and nourishing for me. And then, you know, maybe I go to the library for an hour. And Sadie's nine months old now, so she she stays home. I'll go to the library for an hour or two, maybe even three hours from time to time if I can manage it. And she's content with Scott. Sometimes that doesn't happen. But again, our library is like five minutes away, so I can come on home if she's getting fussy. But taking that time for myself to recharge is really important. It It, it helps. It helps. And even if that, even if you're not in a place in your life or your life situation doesn't allow that, find time for you. Um, even if it's something like a simple a hot shower to yourself or even if it's indulging in a fiction book now and then. I read almost all nonfiction because I'm constantly researching for the ladies and mama baby birthing classes and everything like that. So I'm al- almost, or I'm reading homeschooling books, almost always reading nonfiction. But occasionally I indulge in a novel just because it's, it's nice. <laughs> it's just nice. So do something like that for yourself now and then. It, it doesn't need to be fancy. Remember what you do for yourself, the meals that you cook for yourself, even the systems that you create to keep your household under control. It doesn't need to be fancy. It just needs to be enough. It just needs to work for you. And then one final thing that I recommend to you moms of many is eat dates. Yes, the fruit, dates. Dates have been shown to help with so many things. During, and this is during pregnancy, ladies. Um, it helps It helps prevent the need for induction. Moms are less likely to need induction if they've been eating dates from 36 weeks on. Moms are less likely to have their water break too early. Moms have less bleeding both during the birthing process and also postpartum with your postpartum flow. 
So I highly recommend, ladies, that you eat dates. This goes actually for all moms, not just you mamas of many, you grand multiples. But, but yeah, eat dates. Another question that I get is, is what about bigger babies? And I do think that this is a valid thing. It has been shown that moms of many tend to have bigger babies as they have more babies. And there, there may be more reason, you know, there may be more than one reason for that. But I think that a big one is probably as we have more babies, we're just, we're getting older um, and subsequent babies get bigger. That's what I say when I mean they have bigger babies. But as you get older, your insulin response is less. And insulin response is already blunted during pregnancy. That's a natural physiological part of pregnancy to ensure that baby gets all the energy that he or she needs. Um, So because of that, there's just more sugar going to baby, which is which is being put down as more fat deposits. And also something that I touched on earlier when I was sharing my own family's experience is when you have a whole house full of families to feed, you want easy foods. And often easy foods are very carbohydrate heavy foods. And so we have a lower insulin response and we're eating a lot of carbohydrates, which is, is more sugar. And so, uh, so those can, can help us make a bit of a bigger baby. So what you do for that is just, I want you to eat a full pregnancy diet. Like I said, you're having back-to-back pregnancies, so you definitely need to be eating a nourishing pregnancy diet. But you can do that with lower carb levels, and that can help grow a nice sturdy 8-pounder instead of a chunky 11-pounder or a chunky 10-pounder, you know. Um, But you can still grow a big, healthy baby and and still enjoy your food. There's plenty of good, delicious, enjoyable food. And and you could go back and listen to the podcast that I did with Lily on uh, gestational diabetes. That's a really good one to listen to, to, to get some ideas for what to do for that. Another issue that a mom of many has is like with physically carrying the baby. I really, I think this might be the most significant issue for a mom of many. So how do you, how do you handle that? How do you handle the increased pain that often comes with being a mom of many? Um, the pain in your pelvis and your hips and your back, the fact that you don't, you don't carry baby as tightly up to you as you might have in a previous pregnancy. And really, I think a big part of this is about prevention and, and keep listening to me, even if you're pregnant right now, ladies, but you know, uh, prevention is a good thing. So your posture, your exercise that you're doing, I talk about these things in my great pregnancy class a lot. So if you want to go to naturalbirthandbabycare.com slash shop and check out great pregnancy, I go into a lot of detail on this. I'm going to try not to let this podcast get super long. So, um, but, but when we're exercising naturally, and so I don't mean like sweating to the oldies or anything, ladies, we're not talking super aerobic techniques that you don't have time for anyways. I'm talking like more about you're going to walk with your kids every day, or you're going to walk with your husband every day to get a little bit of time for the two of you to talk. Uh, so you're going to walk, and if possible, you're going to try and walk barefoot or in flat, flat-soled shoes if you can't walk barefoot. But just walking as much as possible is great exercise for you. It's great a great habit for you to get into. It's a great habit for you to help your kids create. And, and I say this too, kind of preaching to myself, because I was doing really well with daily walks, and I'm not now. So I need to get back into it. But when we walk correctly, especially in that barefooted or flat-soled uh, sold shoes, we're 
we're walking in proper alignment. And I would really encourage you ladies to look into Katie Bowman's work. I can post some of her articles in the show notes. Look into Esther Goclay's information. I can post her links in the show notes as well because they're they're very smart ladies who really talk a lot about proper natural alignment. And when we're naturally aligned, the way that our bodies were designed to be, we carry our babies a lot better and we experience a lot less pain. So exercise and posture, those are two really big things. Now, another thing I think is support and support, support, support is what I put in my notes for this podcast episode because your belly muscles probably are a little bit lax. And and kind of going along with the prevention thing, I would definitely encourage you to look into information about taking care of a diastasis. I can link to my my story, my personal diastasis story. And Julie Toppler's stuff is what I recommend because it's what I personally used. But there are lots of brilliant ladies who have done work on diastasis that you can look into their information too. But I love Julie. I love her work because it changed my life. So I'll link to that. But, but you know, you can do work even during pregnancy on healing a diastasis so that, uh, so that there's less pain and so that you're carrying baby more where you're supposed to. But ab- above and beyond that, pregnancy support garments are really so important for moms of many. So this could be just like a, a belly band for support. I mean, that can work and that can help you. But I know that for me, having a full support garment was really beneficial. Personally, I used the prenatal cradle. There are different brands out there, but that really helped me. It helped me to make sure that baby was sitting in a good place. It distributed baby's weight so that it wasn't all just sitting on my hips and on my lower back, that rather the stronger part of my upper back was also helping with it. Like I said, there are different brands, so look for a brand, read reviews and things, find a brand that works for you. Sorry about that, ladies. That was Sadie dropping a toy. Um, But finding a a brand that really works for you that you think will work for you is a good idea. Another thing that might really help you is belly binding. Um, that, that again, is a woven material. I was just talking about this on the Mama Baby Birthing Call a few minutes ago. The woven material from, um, from doing belly binding is really, really beneficial for you because it supports baby's weight and it kind of holds baby there in your belly. So those are things that can help you during your pregnancy to carry baby well and to keep baby position well. And I actually think that that goes a really long way to helping you have a better a better birthing experience because your baby is well lined up and especially if you've had that belly support to hold baby where he or she is supposed to be and you're working on that diastasis to help heal your muscles, which you can do just the same as a mom of one two can do. That really helps. And a healthy, well-nourished mom, even a mom of many, is safer from bleeding. So postpartum bleeding or just uterine fatigue or whatever is something that's worried about a lot. But I truly believe that if you are well-nourished and also you respect the hormonal processes of birth and everything like that, you're a lot less likely to see bleeding. And I'll put a bunch of articles in the show notes about bleeding, about respecting those hormones of birthing and everything for you to read and really dig into this because it's just as applicable to you and also any of you ladies who are pregnant with your first baby or your second or whatever, this is all good information with you or for you rather that that you should listen to, that you should know and that should help increase your confidence. 
Now, one thing that is interesting is that some researchers have recommended that for moms of many, that you don't consider that a mom of many is in quote-unquote active labor until she's six centimeters rather than four. Because because a mom who's had many babies, your body is just pretty much used to doing this. And so it can kind of putter along and do this stuff without things really being active. So no time pressure, no clocks or anything like that should be really going. And and I don't really think those things should be going very much ever. But we are talking about if you're in in a medical paradigm where the clock is being watched and dilation is being checked, which I also don't recommend, but that's another podcast for you. Anyways, um, that, that you wait until that six centimeter point. And then again, going back to how baby is carried, that can impact labor. So if baby's really hanging low uh, or hanging all out, so to speak, in front of you, and there's not really any resistance to hold baby over the pelvis, that can that can make labor not as effective. So using something like the belly wrap or using a rebozo scarf like Gail Tully talks about on her Spinning Babies website, those things can really help. I would really recommend that you labor vertically as much as possible so that you are able to be upright um, and so that gravity is able to assist you and assist you in positioning baby well and, and that you're just able to be active and working with your baby. I think that's a good thing for all moms, especially for you mom of many. And then the final note, and we'll try and wrap things up, is to just protect your time with your baby. Again, this is something for all moms, but especially for a mom of many, especially since many of us think, oh, postpartum hemorrhage is more likely for a mom of many. You want to protect that time with baby. You want to be with baby, skin to skin, smelling baby, feeling baby, touching baby, baby's nuzzling you, licking you, smelling you, nursing. Uh, All of those things are powerful hormonal triggers that are telling everything that needs to happen to happen postpartum placenta shearing off, uterus firming up, so many things going on that are hormonally controlled. It is a hormonal symphony and that hormonal symphony happens because you and baby are the dual conductors who are making it happen. So really protect that time with baby. Being well nourished, super well nourished during your pregnancy is going to go a long way to making sure that your uterus is healthy and working hard. And then you and your baby together are going to send all those hormonal hormonal signals. And also, even during your birthing time, keep the light slow, labor upright, tell people to go away and leave you alone so that you can do your thing. You're a mom of many, you probably got some more confidence to be able to say, hey, get out of my way and let me do my thing. Again, it's just protecting protecting that hormonal symphony and that space, that security, even that sanctity of your birthing time and know that safety generally flows from that. That's not to say that you won't ever need a complication for or an intervention or have a complication for any mom. But usually if we're hands off, if we protect that space, if we're well nourished and ready, it's going to go smoothly, even if you're a mom of many. All right, guys and gals, I'm going to wrap this up now. Remember, you can check me out um, over on naturalbirthandbabycare.com or sign up for the newsletter. Uh, You can get the newsletter real quick, including my natural birth cheat sheet. All of those things are applicable to moms of many over at Trust Birth 101. I've actually been really surprised at how many moms of many I've had in my mama baby birthing classes. I would love to have you in my classes. It's an online birthing class series, and we do a live call every Monday where you can ask me your specific questions 
questions. You can email me your questions in advance. I can really make it personalized for you, your pregnancy, your family, and your needs. You can find out more about that at mamababybirthing.com. I would love to see you there next week. With that, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the podcast. Leave me a comment on iTunes. Leave me a rating that gets this around to more families. And I will talk to you with more great birth and baby stuff next week. Have a blessed week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.